I can't even tell you how fucking stressed I was as soon Why, Boone? Why? You want to be useful. Every single episode, he wants to be useful. He's finally got a job. Boone, why would you leave your dumbass sister in charge of this? It is so important. Please tell me you actually did a synopsis this time. I did a synopsis. Okay. It's probably my best one yet. Yeah? Well, it's written down, so I'd say (laughs) that's progress. Tied for your best one, then, since you've only done one written down. Look, we're all improving. We're all getting better in this process. I'm probably the best, but I can always improve. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. And I'm Lauren. And today we're covering episode seven, The Moth. Before we get into it, uh, Zane, I'm sure that you meant to ask me how my trip was. I was going to be like, speaking of moths, how was your trip? I'm sure you saw them. doesn't make any sense. No, I didn't see any fucking moths. You don't see them at night when you're camping? I wasn't camping. I stayed in an Airbnb. I did not know that. Yeah, you wouldn't know because you haven't asked about my trip. Hey, Lauren, how was your trip? Oh, thank you so much for asking, Zane. I almost died. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you mentioned this to our mutual friend, Devin. Shout out to Devin. um, Briefly, and I don't think I cared to ask at the time because I was just really hungry. So you were like... (laughs) I I could not possibly take a second to ask my sister what she meant about almost dying over the weekend. I need dinner. Yeah. So how (laughs) go on? Basically, I uh, the first day we went to do a hike and we were not prepared for it at all. We didn't have enough water or food. It was over 90 degrees and there was a lot of smoke in the air from the wildfires And I, for the first time ever, could not complete the hike, which is crazy. Um, I've done hikes twice as long as this one. Um, The incline was intense. The elevation change was intense. And I was just huffing and puffing the whole time. Then I got to a point where I could not go anymore. And yeah, I basically had heat exhaustion. So that was fun. Oh, and then... We're at our Airbnb. This is like the funniest thing that happened on this trip. We're at our Airbnb and I walked into the bathroom and I flipped on the light switch and it turns on an exhaust fan. So the exhaust fan kicks on and I feel something fall on my head. And I feel it like it has some girth to it. Something girthy just dropped in my head. So I touch my head and I feel that something is on my head. So like the rational person I am, I screamed like a motherfucker and started smacking my head and it ran into the bedroom and went, Andrew, 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 there's a bug in my hair. There's a bug in my hair. Get the fucking bug out of my hair. And he was like, what are you talking about? There's nothing in your hair. And so he's like, just brush your fingers through your hair. I don't see anything. And so I'm like touching my hair, but then also screaming a little bit. And so then I ran back into the bathroom and there was this fucking huge spider on the floor. This motherfucker was on my head. He was huge. And so then I started screaming more and I made Andrew come in and kill it. 
not the best moment for women, but he killed the spider for me. <laughs> and that's why I would not make it if I was plane crashed on an island. So you almost died. Like a little bit, yeah. Well, that's a shame. And speaking of almost dying, this episode was pretty intense. Wow. King of segues, you are. Thank you. Why don't you go ahead and give me that synopsis, Lauren? Oh, because I wrote it down and I'm very prepared. Let me just pull it up. I even knew as I was writing it that I wasn't going to want to read it the way that I wrote it. Okay. This is what I said. Synopsis, colon. While Saeed continues trying to find the location of the French signal, there's a collapse in the caves that traps Jack. We learn about Charlie and the origin of his addiction and watch him struggle with withdrawal and finding his place on the island. That was really good. Did I just fucking kill it or did I just fucking kill it? Only took you seven episodes. I feel like you're ruining the moment by talking shit. Got some quick bits for this episode. First, I almost did what the office ladies do and do a, did a deep dive on heroin because we just don't understand it. But I was like, I'm going to get some weird targeted ads if I do that. So I didn't do it. So you're telling me we are no closer to knowing anything about heroin? Nope. Bullshit. I can tell you that Charlie's heroin in the series is actually just brown sugar. I thought that. Oh, I'm so fucking smart. Thought it was brown sugar. Quick bit number two. Neil Hopkins, who plays Charlie's older brother, Liam, is not only actually younger than Dominic Monaghan, he is American. Really? That was like the most uninterested Really? <laughs> well, it's because I'm trying to think back to like hear his accent in my head. But like, I, who am I to judge a British accent? I don't know. Peter Dinklage is American, right? From yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. I know. I remember that shocked me when I first learned it. I think I'm just impressed by any accent. Like, I'm more impressed when British people can do really good American accents. But yeah. You've never seen it, but there's three British actors on The Walking Dead who not only have to play Americans, but like Southerners. And it's it's bad. <laughs> like, no disrespect. They're all very talented actors and like they they do it well. But like you can tell that they're like in physical pain. Neil Hopkins played Sportsmaster on the CW Stargirl, which is part of the Arrowverse. So threw that in there because we talked a little shit about the Arrowverse. Uh, the CW last week. So I, I've never heard of that show. Yeah. It's relatively new. It's, it's a CW superhero show about a character who like really isn't that well known. She's a member of the justice society, which is like the really, I cannot explain to you how much I don't care. Okay. Fair enough. And finally, this episode was directed by Jack Bender. This is the third episode he's directed. The first two being Tabula Rasa and Walkabout. And he will direct overall 42 episodes across all six seasons with the next closest person having directed 26. So Jack's got his hands all over this series. Cool beans. Before we go into it, did you like this episode? Yeah, 
I did like this episode. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't very excited about it. I just, I don't know. I guess I wasn't that intrigued by Charlie or his storyline, but I thought it was a good episode. I like that in this show, even though it's focusing on a different character each week, you're still getting like development of other characters. I think I was a little bit more interested in like Jack Kate Sawyer this episode, but Charlie's storyline was good. Yeah. I thought it was a good one. I, I don't think I thought I was as like pleasantly surprised as I was with last episode house of the rising sun, but I thought, I thought it was a good one. Also, I kind of feel like it really highlights what I've been pointing out every week so far is no one cares about Charlie and like, he's treated like shit. So now it's kind of like brought full circle where like, that's just like the point of this episode. He's tired of being treated like shit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do question if some of the things that were supposed to be, I get that what it really is, is like, they're not really treating him like shit. He just takes it like that. Let's get into it. So the episode starts out with Charlie in the caves. He's sweating and strumming, obviously struggling with the detox. If you remember from last time, he gave his drugs to Locke in exchange for the island, quote unquote, returning his guitar. Locke invites Charlie to go for a walk, which he initially declines. But Locke insists saying the fresh air will help him. Back at the medical tent on the beach, Jack is staring at Kate's mugshot when she walks in on him. Jack explains that he was there to get the rest of the medical supplies when he found the picture. Kate asks if he's going back to the camp, and Jack reiterates his belief that the caves are a better camp than the beach. This conversation really like highlights to me how this is such like a 2004 show where it's like if you missed last week where like this whole argument about beach life versus camp life we've now rehashed it for you just like in case you've like missed last week and you don't know what's going on okay they've split up and there's a disagreement it just feels so different to today that's true. Does that like when you binge the show, cause I'm still watching it week to week. So I don't really pick up on those like recap things, but if I were to binge the show, I think that would drive me crazy. It's not too terrible, but there are a lot of like moments like that, where it's just like, that was only for the sake of like, just reminding people like what has happened, especially like we'll get to it later, but when Saeed and Kate discuss the events of the crash, how it happened. It's like, yes, we were all there for it. Yeah. It's like when I read a book, that's a sequel. And then that book is like, goes into detail on stuff that was like, you learn in the first book. I just skip over that shit. The Harry Potter books are famous for that, where each book will recap basically what has happened throughout the entire series. And you just think to yourself, who's starting with Half-Blood Prince? Like, who needs to know what happened through one through five? Yeah, but there's some stuff that I can kind of get it because I typically am, like, reading one book after another. I'm not waiting. But there have been times when I've had to wait for the next book to come out. And then there's so much, especially, like, I read a lot of fantasy stuff, so there's so much, like, world building that you kind of do need that recap of, like, okay, what are these weird monsters and what are what is this land and who's ruling it? Like, I get that. 
So I get why they do it. But when you're not behind or you didn't miss the episode, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, we fucking get it. Let's go. Do you watch the, uh, even when you binge a series, do you watch like the previously on segment or would you rather go in blind, not knowing what you should remember because then you might be able to can come to a conclusion. I do not watch the previously on unless it's been a long time or I will watch the previously on when I first start a show. Like for instance, um, house of dragons. Is that what the new show is called? The new yes. game of Thrones. I'm only one episode in no spoilers. That's fine. I'm not going to, but I will watch the recap on something like that because they're still introducing characters and plot lines. And I'm like, well, Oh, Loki. Nope. You want to come say hi? They're just going to sleep in here. I think. Okay. Anyway, um, I'll watch the recap for that, but typically I will not watch a recap because I think it's way too obvious, especially when they're bringing up something that didn't even happen last episode. Then it's like, oh, well, clearly I need, like, there's going to be something that's happening with that storyline because they just reminded us about that breakup or whatever, you know? Right. I don't like that because I like to go in blind, like you said. Kate asks if Jack is mad at her, but Jack denies it and says he only wants to understand why she won't come with him to the caves. They argue about Saeed's plan about looking for the distress signal. Jack thinking it's a waste of time due to the longevity of the stress of the distress signal. But Kate believes Sawyer comes in with a one liner and claims the medical tent at his own. And Jack eventually leaves. I'm completely uh, siding with Kate here. I understand the underlying conversation here of like she's leaving Jack or whatever, but just from the logistics of they've only been there for seven or eight days, whatever they said, she's not giving hope up hope on being rescued. He's just so adamant that they're not going to be rescued. I understand. Okay. The French woman wasn't rescued, but like, I just think it just takes one fluke plane to fly over boat to go by and Kate doesn't want to give up on that. It's only been a week. Why would you? I understand that um, Jack is the doctor, but if I were on that camp, I'd be really bothered if he just come came and took everything. I thought the same thing, but he did specifically say enough for us without leaving them shorthanded. Okay. That's fair. Cause I thought the same thing. I was like, so motherfucker just, uprooted that whole camp took all their shit but he said that he didn't leave them shorthanded in the next scene charlie is wandering the jungle alone when he gets chased by a wild boar during the chase sequence we get a flashback where charlie is confessing to a priest and his confession is a very long form of saying he had a three-way technically no Okay. He had sex with both of them and they had sex with each other. So for simplicity's sake, I'm saying he had a three-way. Menage a trois, if you will. Menage the trois? That's not what I said. I know. Charlie explains to the priest that his band is doing well and they are getting a bit of a following, much like our podcast. Worldwide. Worldwide. Listened in over three countries at the time of recording. And by over three countries, I mean exactly three countries. So not over three countries. He talks about how the rock star life comes with temptation. The priest tells Charlie that giving into temptation is a choice. All of life is a choice. 
and Charlie decides that he needs to quit the band. As Charlie leaves, he finds his brother Liam in a pew, which I love that they're called pews. Pew, pew. Charlie pushes his feet down and reminds Liam that they are in a church. Liam tells him that the band has been signed and that he's going to be a rock god. What are your first thoughts on seeing this religious side of Charlie and meeting his brother Liam? I guess I didn't really have any reactions to Charlie specifically being religious. It just kind of reminded me of, obviously we were raised Catholic, kind of. Um, uh, It reminded me of my first confession that I think I had to do it when I either was baptized or first communion. Did you have to do it? I don't remember ever having confession. But you are much younger than me because you did it at the correct age where I did it older. And then... Well, you're supposed to be baptized when you're a baby. Well, you're not... I mean, sure, but... That's the norm. For Catholics, yeah. But for a lot of... It doesn't matter. But first communion is supposed to be when you're in second grade. But I did it in like fifth grade. You were actually in second grade. So I don't really have a big reaction to Charlie going to confession. I guess I was just thinking, okay, he starts out kind of like a goody two shoes. How did he get to where he is now? And then you see Liam and he's a mess and you're like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you assume the obvious because like they're in a band and like, that's kind of the stereotype of people in bands. So like, it's not really a big question of like, Oh, how did he get there? But well, I mean, the, the theme of this episode is metamorphosis, right? So it's like kind of happening, happening twice, once in the flashback of him becoming the drug addict and then like him recovering from it on the island. So back on the island, Charlie runs from the boar, which gets caught in a net trap set up by Locke. Locke was using Charlie as bait, which more of like Charlie is just being used and no one really cares. Yeah, that's one of the ones that's not really like a gray area. Like that's just shitty. Charlie had no idea he was being used as bait. And I don't really feel like Locke had a backup plan. <laughs> I think he was just going to let Charlie get mauled by that board. Yeah. It's, what if like one part of that contraption doesn't work? Cause again, he, he made it out of like rope that he somehow had and luggage. Yeah. I'm confused on where he even got the netting. And then also what if he had accidentally trapped charlie instead of the boar well i guess see the boar wouldn't have gotten him then because he'd be up okay but it just seemed shitty (laughs) it was pretty bad charlie tells Locke that he wants his drugs back Locke and charlie begin to argue about the drugs charlie's saying he is sick and Locke believes that he is stronger than he realizes Locke says he will give charlie the chance to ask for his drugs three times this being the first time, and on the third time, he will give them back. Charlie asks Locke, why is he torturing him, and why doesn't he just get rid of them? Locke tells Charlie that it has to be his choice, and that his decisions and instincts are what separates men from animals. And then Locke slits the throat of the boar. Locke seems to have a pretty... I mean... I'm saying this from my very uninformed perspective, but Locke seems to have a good insight into addiction. It makes me wonder if maybe somebody that he has loved or something has dealt with addiction because he's handling Charlie very well. Locke kind of seems like a jack of all trades, really. Like he just, he kind of, 
knows how to do a lot of stuff. Obviously, we know he was in a wheelchair for what, four years before he came to the island, and yet he knows how to make a net trap pretty well and how to hunt, gut, skin, prepare to eat boar. Yeah, which is not a common skill. Yeah, Locke's a pretty interesting character. Now you see why I love him. He's my favorite character, and I will die saying that. You're like, you don't need to be that dramatic about it. At the beach camp, Saeed shows and explains to Kate and Boone the three antennas that he has created to be placed on the beach and further inland of the island to triangulate the, the signal. The number three is a common element in this episode. I did not notice that. I do, because I, I write the script. Okay. Rude. There's two issues with this plan. The power cells for the antenna are dry and will not last long. So they need to flip all of them at the same time to maximize use of battery and make sure this goes off without a hitch. Saeed gives each of them a bottle rocket and says, thank God for firework smugglers, basically saying, don't ask, we have them. Uh, and he says they're going to use them as a signal for when they flip the antenna on at the same time. Okay, I get that they just have to explain why they magically have fireworks. I was going to say something dumb, and then I realized that I live in California, and fireworks are illegal for pretty much everywhere all year so that actually makes sense i don't know australia's regulations on fireworks if you could just get them i know australia also is prone to wildfires so that seems a little sketch to me but this was a long time ago um climate change hadn't done as much damage so maybe it wasn't as bad so i take back everything that i was going to say i took it more as the initial like how did they get fireworks on a plane but again you can pretty much just check anything with proper clearance but again if you're smuggling it into california or from australia either which is like illegal again how did you get it on a plane yeah because it has to go through customs like that's the whole thing is like you can't i'm pretty sure they wouldn't let you fly into california with fireworks but people just go to Mexico and buy fireworks and bring them up here. That's how pretty much everybody gets it where I live, but that's driving across. And sometimes they don't even inspect your vehicle. So, right. I mean, Saeed's like throwaway line here about the fireworks smugglers is basically just saying like, it's a TV show. We have it moving on. Yeah, I get that. I just have to nitpick everything yeah. because that's my role. You nitpick and I remind you it's a TV show. I'd just like to piss you off. The other problem is that the transceiver is dead and they need a new battery. But Kate knows where they can get one. Cut to Kate bartering with Sawyer, who is reading Watership Down. Remember that for next week. Is uh, next week a Sawyer episode? Maybe. Finally. Sorry. So she's bartering with him for a battery. He toys with her over the battery and Kate tells Sawyer that she pities him and thinks that he isn't in a rush to get off the island because he has nothing to go back for. Sawyer gives her the battery saying, all you had to do was say, please. Let's, let's dive into them for a little bit. 
what are your thoughts on like the two of them and their relationship and this game of cat and mouse that they seem to always be playing? It feels like it came out of nowhere. Like I, I really honestly feel like there was very little build to their weird relationship. Like they just kind of started being dicks to each other. I get that Sawyer is just a dick. And I think he and Kate are similar in some aspects. Like they give off that mysterious haunted past vibe, but I don't know. They're kind of weird. Like I, I know what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like gritty sexual tension, but sometimes they're just assholes. Like later on, We'll get to it, but I feel like sometimes they're just rude for no reason. Do you think she actually pities him? Yeah, because I I see a lot of the times, like I think whoever the actor that plays Sawyer is, he's very good at giving those expressions of like, I'm a dick, but there's some pain behind these eyes. And I think Kate can see that in him because she's the same way. She puts up this tough exterior, but she's clearly had something happen in her past that makes her not want to want to be vulnerable with people. And I think that's what Sawyer's expression gives a lot of the time. But Kate seems to be the only one that can recognize it. It's a bold claim for her to make that he has nothing to go back to when considering she probably doesn't have the best situation to go back to either. Yeah. That's where I think she's projecting. She might actually think that about him, but I think because she feels a connection to him in that, they kind of have a similar past. They're both damaged. She's like, I have nothing to go back to. I'm going to throw that on him. Cause I bet it would hurt him just as much as it hurts me. Back at the caves, Hurley and Jack are carrying in bags from the beach camp. Charlie attempts to help them out, but he ends up spilling medical supplies everywhere. Charlie apologizes and Hurley and Jack go to get more bags. Jack catches Charlie looking through the pills and Charlie covers up what he's doing by saying he's just looking for aspirin for his headache, which I then didn't, I wasn't sure. Did Charlie mean to spill the, the shit everywhere just so he could go through all this shit or was that genuinely an accident? And he was like, all right, let me find something here. I think it was genuinely an accident because how would he know that that bag had all the drugs in it? I think he was just trying to be useful and then, oh, there's a bunch of drugs. So that's what I took it as. Jack asks if, he, if Charlie is okay, and then he lies again. Jack tells him to go get water and that he needs to take care of himself. He says, we don't need you right now. And then Charlie sits down to play his guitar. I think the, the quote, we don't need you right now, is like interesting because like, Charlie can take that in like a really like hurtful way. Like we don't need you, but like the whole right now part of it shows that Jack is just like, just take care of yourself. And like, when we need you, we'll come to you. Yeah. I definitely think that's a good, one of those situations where you can see it from Charlie's point of view, or you can see it from Jack's point of view. Like he's just like, no, we got it. Like we have enough hands, but Charlie's like, uh, uh, they don't need me. I'm useless. Right. Speaking of which, did, did Jack bother you this episode? Well, he was trapped in a cave for most of it. Jack didn't bother me 
but a but jack related chaos bothered me that he was in the cave no we'll get to it okay um i don't know i feel like he was pretty like obviously we agree with kate on like not giving up for like the distress signal plan but i don't know jack was pretty like tame this episode i think he handled charlie like really well he was very calm and like patient with him which is just not a jack trait at all i did notice something that i liked about jack that i'd like to talk about later in the caves okay remember it i've listened to a lot of podcasts where we'll be like we'll get to that and then i know what we were going to say and we never talk about it i was going to give you a note on that because I just listened to an episode that's not yet released and you kept saying, I'll ask you that later. And then you never ask me <laughs> I need to really start writing this shit down. I also said at one point I was like, I think Shannon is the MVP of this episode. And you said, really? And I was like, I'll explain later. And I never did. Yeah. So, we need to start putting post-it notes about stuff. We'll get to that. We never get to. Yeah, We're so still go- learning people. Let's go back five episodes real quick. Uh, Shannon was MVP because she spoke French. Moving on. Okay. She translated the distress signal. I I know. It's not relevant right now. (laughs) So we get another flashback. Liam is trying to convince Charlie that he should not quit the band because it's his music, his songs, and he is the spirit of Driveshaft. Charlie says that he needs to let it go because he's getting lost and the temptation that is the rock star life. Liam eggs him on a little bit more and Charlie eventually agrees. But with the stipulation, if things get too crazy, we walk away. Liam agrees and just says, you're the rock God basically builds Charlie up knowing that he's not going to make it work without him. So he needs Charlie to agree. Felt a little selfish text from dad. He says, cool. Don't remember what we were talking about. Shout out to dad. I sent him a bear video last week and he did not respond rude did you see a bear no i didn't see a fucking bear i sent him a tiktok of a bear oh you sent dad a tiktok and he didn't respond he normally responds to my tiktoks i only send him tiktoks of bears back in the caves son finds Jin cleaning his wrist which is still raw from the handcuff because he's you know still wearing that because they didn't have the keys when they handcuffed him to the landing gear didn't think that one through. And she asks him to see Jack to see if there's any way that he can help. But Jin says that it will heal. He then tells her that she's wearing something indecent and she needs to change. But she simply says it's too hot. And he just looks stunned. Hell yeah. That's my girl. So proud of her in that moment. And so proud of him for not pushing back. I feel like I'm seeing some progress. Yeah. I, I, the, the look on his face where he was just like, the woman was too stunned to speak. Yeah. But it's interesting. Cause like his face is like, what? She's never stood up to me before, but she did smack him across the face in a flashback. So I'm like, okay, you can't be that surprised. Yeah. Also, I think Jin was just like, she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hot on this island. Not, you know, Bakersfield hot. Probably hotter, though. 
probably humid there. Probably they humid as hell. Sweaty. Hurley brings Charlie his guitar, and Charlie attempts to open up about being in a band for the first time. And, you know, he's really shy about it. But Hurley shuts him down saying that Jack told him to move it because it was just in the way. When did Hurley just become, like, Jack's, like, lackey? He kind of always has been. He's just, like, the same thing as what I said in the episode where they're trying to figure out what crime Kate committed. Like, Hurley just defaulted to Jack. Like, even though he thought they should find out what she did, Hurley was like, just listening to Jack on, oh, it doesn't matter or whatever. I'm like, dude, if you want to know, just, you know, try to find out yourself. I just think it's funny because, like, Charlie and, and Hurley kind of, like, bonded with the whole fish thing. Like, that was a nice little moment. And, now, and then this scene, Hurley is just like, I could give less of a fuck about you, dude. Yeah, it was a weird moment. I know it's just, like, they're trying to give more build up to Charlie feeling like shit about himself, but it seemed weird coming from Hurley. But I also feel like you could stretch a little bit and be like, Hurley's freaking exhausted. Like he's lugging all these bags around. Like he does not give a shit about drive shaft. And if he has been hanging out with Charlie, he's probably heard about this band a million times right now. That's so probably like, shut up about your band. I have to go carry a million more bags so I can, I get it. I also, I think it's funny that Charlie was like, "Oh, I've wrote I've written a lot of songs on that guitar," and then names the only song. <laughs> and then anyone who's worked in customer service, you know, there are moments where you're just like, "I just want to get from A to B and and finish the job, finish the interaction here." But then they start telling you their life story, and Hurley does what we all wish we could have done, which was just like, "I don't care." <laughs> Yeah, been there way too many times. The worst is when they acknowledge that you don't care. And it's like, well, then why'd you do it? You know what? Mom is one of those people. I have watched her give way too many details to poor, innocent people just trying to do their job. Like, they're just trying to take our order at McDonald's, Mom. They don't even know that we're on vacation. They don't no. need to know that we're going to go hiking later. Or, or just telling us a story. It's like, well, it was last Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? It had to have been Tuesday because I was eating a Caesar salad. No. I'm like, get to it. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. But like, I especially hear her do it on the phone. Like way more details than she needs to give. Like yeah. all she needs to say is like, I want a large pepperoni pizza. She's like, yeah, well, we've got some family in town for the weekend, so we're going to need extra pizza. I'm like, mom, they don't care. They, they don't give a shit. I'm, I'm one to talk, though, because I was, I was trying to tell Kate a story the other day, and she was just like, I love you, but you talk like Robert Pattinson Batman walks. Just oh, get you to do. it. <laughs> do you remember... When mom and dad tried to make us have family dinners and I introduced the knock system so that when your stories were taking too long, I could just on the table and be like, your story time's done. Next. (laughs) I really feel like, you know, this is not something that's conducive to hosting a podcast, but you just fucking ramble and it is boring as hell. 
Sometimes when you're telling stories, it's actually worse than mom. Well, good thing I'm the one who edits the podcast. Yeah, but you're also the one that writes the script. Maybe you should tell me if I'm rambling because I can cut it. I have told you before that when you give the synopsis of the scene, it is like I'm listening to a description of paint dry. So Charlie tells Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So Charlie tells Jack. So Charlie tells Jack off for treating him poorly. And Jack tries to calm him down and tells him that he's not himself, hinting that Jack knows about the detoxing. (laughs) Charlie yells, you don't know me. I'm a bloody rock god. And somehow that triggers a cave-in. It's the accent. So the caves collapse on top of Jack. Charlie somehow got out. Don't really know how. Yeah, that's crazy. Because when we go in later to see like how far Jack was in there, the only thing I can think is that fight, flight, or freeze, Charlie chose flight and Jack chose freeze. So Jack is trapped. Hurley tells Charlie, go to the beach to get help. Start digging out because apparently there's only like three people at the caves right now. And he says, make sure you tell Kate, which I just ask, why? Yeah, it's not like they're fucking married. It's not like we have to notify his next of kin. I just thought that was really weird. I feel like they put that in there just because like that's going to lead to obviously Kate abandons the mission and it's obviously going to have to do with their relationship because they're kind of, you know, whatever. But why the fuck does she need to know? I think I think Hurley's just a big jate shipper. You know what I was thinking about? Go ahead. Typically when there's a show. Right. It's like, yeah, you've got whatever your plot is, but you've also have like the subplots of just people hooking up. Right. Lots of different variations of relationships. Mm-hmm. But in this show, there's only so many characters. Right. I I'm not gonna lie. I often am pretty much only invested in the show because I'm like really invested in someone's relationship. So I'm just curious how this show is going to work out for me long-term. I think that's the problem with a lot of TV is because like the whole, will they, won't they, it has to feel organic where it's like, they're obviously going to get together. Why are they not together now? Because the show will lose its charm probably when they're not together. Like you and I have both gone on record to say that the office slowly loses its charm once Pam and Jim are together because we don't have that sexual tension anymore. And like the whole cheers. I've never watched cheers. Really? Ted dancing. Yeah. I never watched it. All right. Whatever. What are you like? 45. (laughs) Anyway, if you're not careful with it, then you get a Ross and Rachel situation where it's just like, Jesus, but you just, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. That that's shit's annoying. I'm just saying that like, clearly this is a very popular show. It must be surviving on something. It must be surviving on something other than just a will they, won't they? I mean, like obviously the intrigue. Yeah. Like the office. I do agree that like it went not, I don't want to say downhill. What I would say season three. Yes, but what I will say is it it loses its bingeability after they get together because I love the buildup to them getting together. But then after that, it's just kind of funny in like pieces. It's like you could just watch standalone episodes after that. But I love to binge seasons like three and four. 
While all that's going on, Kate and Saeed are hiking through the jungle and they're discussing the chances of the plan working. Saeed says it's probably got the same odds of their survival from the crash. Saeed thinks that they should have died in the crash as they cartwheeled through the jungle and walked away with minor scrapes and bruises. Kate says it was just luck. Saeed says no one is that lucky. But Kate says things happen for no reason. Earlier, you were talking about this scene as kind of being like a recap of the plane crash, but I don't actually think that's what it was. I actually think this scene is giving more evidence to like, this island is not what it seems. Like, we should all be dead. It's a miracle that we came out of this with little to no injuries. So I think this is almost just kind of because this episode doesn't really have any of that like, oh, the island is magical or whatever. So I think it's just kind of like a little reminder, like this island is not as it seems. We should all be dead. Well, I won't ask you that question then. What was the question? I was going to ask you, why do you think this conversation was included? Oh. <laughs> um, but I do have a, another question. Kate's belief things just happen for no reason is in serious contrast to Locke's beliefs that everything happens for a reason. Do you think they were just lucky or do you think maybe the Island saved them? That's see, that's another hard one where like the, the logical part of me wants to just be like, somehow they survived. Like it's just luck, but with the, how funky this Island is, I think the hard, the hard part about it is I have one specific reason where why I don't think it's luck. The reason that I think that it's not a coincidence that they survived is the fact that I know that the numbers that they have to type into the hatch later on are the same numbers that Hurley won the lottery with. And that feels like there's no way that could be a coincidence. And so like, I feel like he's here for a reason, which makes me think that other people are there for a reason. I was going to say, because Locke can walk again. Okay, sure, but I'm still uh, like, yeah, but it's like all of it. All of it is making me think it's just something funky going on. Magic or destiny. Charlie gets to the beach and gets Michael Boone, Scott, and Steve, plus a couple other guys, to go help Jack. Charlie thinks that nobody cares about him. Scott and Steve, nobody even knows their fucking names. This is a this will be a recurring bit going forward that no one knows the difference between Scott and Steve. Um, my suggestion to them would be maybe just stop hanging out together. <laughs> just because like that's fucking stupid. You're telling me nobody can figure out the difference between them, Scott and Steve, just because they both start with an S. That, that's just dumb. which There's one's only which one's Scott? I don't fucking know the. The only, there's only like 46 people on this island. You're telling me that people can't figure out their names? I just think it was funny because it was just so unnecessary. Like they could have just said, you guys come with us and not say them by name just to establish that like, you know, who cares, right? I think it's poking fun at the fact that there are all these other characters on this island that we never see. Like, I think it's kind of just a little joke that the show throws in to be like, yeah, we know we're just ignoring all these other people and not including them in the plot at all. Yeah. I do think it's funny, though, because, like, sometimes you'll just get shots of 
the main characters talking to the background people. And then they'll see like a main character coming out of the jungle or something like that. So they're like, okay, I'm going to go talk to them real quick. And you're just like, what was that conversation? What could you possibly have been telling random character number 13 about your day on the Island? (laughs) Well, I'm sure all those people have like jobs and shit. So that conversation could be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go get some water and then I'm going to help Jen out with the fishing. Really wish that dude spoke English. Like, that's the conversation. Boone tells Shannon that she needs to fill in for his part of Saeed's plan. With sass, Shannon says that she is capable of doing it. I can't even tell you how fucking stressed I was as soon. Why, Boone? Why? You want to be useful. Every single episode, he wants to be useful. He's finally got a job. Boone, why would you leave your dumbass sister in charge of this? It is so important. Everybody else can dig Jack out. Send Shannon to dig rocks. Why? Why? I know it works out, but I just thought that was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Also, just random background character number 13. Probably would have been more reliable than Shannon to do this. I completely agree. He should have told both of them, hey, random background character number 13, make sure that my dumb sister does this. Charlie asks where Kate is, and Sawyer tells Charlie that he will go find her and that he should keep doing whatever it is you do. I know this is supposed to, like, dogpile on, like, uh, Charlie, what what does he do? No one likes Charlie, but, like, from Sawyer, that's, like, that's just normal. Yeah, Sawyer's just a dick. I feel like you can't. But I think it's it's what he's saying, not just that he's being a dick. It's it's what he's saying. There's always a little truth to Sawyer being a dick. Yeah, he digs at people in a way that hurts because it's true. Another flashback. We see Drive Shaft perform. Uh, still only got that one song. Uh, and th- we know this is track three because in the pilot... Uh, Charlie says he sang vocals on track three on their album, but not this time because Liam is going to sing Charlie's verse in you all, everybody and backstage Liam is completely stuck in the rock star lifestyle. And Charlie is trying to be angry with him for taking over his moment in the spotlight, but he's just ignoring him saying it won't happen again. And then gets heroin from some groupie girl and tells Charlie that he needs to relax. So at this point, what are your thoughts on Liam? Typical band guy. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Just stereotypical. I'm in a band and I'm letting it get to my head. At the caves, Michael tells the team trying to save Jack that they need to inspect the stability of the cave before they continue to dig. Walt says that they should go look for Locke, and we learn that he's out hunting. We also learn that Michael worked in construction, and he's going to check to see what areas of the cave are load-bearing. I get that. Like, okay, here's the thing. I don't know anything about construction. How much is construction similar to a cave? Like, he just walked up and, like, put his hand on a wall and was like, this is load-bearing. How do you know? But, I mean, I get it. How would I know? Right. But how does he know? It just, it feels like a stretch. I get it. I get it. But it's like, really... I feel like it did happen too fast 
but I also do not know enough about construction and load bearing to question it. Yeah, like, it's fine. I don't have that big of a problem with it. I was just kind of like, how does he know? Yeah. There, there's a scene in one of the Marvel movies where they talk about how they're going to take out a wall to, like, escape. And someone's like, looks, looks load-bearing. I was like, what about it looks load-bearing? Is it the fact that it's a wall? I mean, they know somehow. That'd be a great question for mom. She probably knows. Our mother's a kitchen designer. An interior designer of kitchens and bathrooms and shit like that. So probably knows how walls work. I don't know. Whatever. I just thought it was interesting because I was kind of like, I think it was a used to kind of give us a little bit of background on Michael. He works in construction. We haven't really seen him. I don't want to say be useful, but we haven't really seen him like take a role in camp life. So this was kind of him like stepping up and that's why they needed to do it. And they're just also kind of giving like foreshadowing to like, this is a really unstable situation. It could come crumbling down at any moment. So I get why they did it. I just was like, really? They find a spot that is safe and Michael organizes the the digging effort. Meanwhile, Sawyer finds Saeed and Kate. And before he can even get a word out, Kate's just like, what are you doing here, you ugly, fat piece of shit? This is the part that I was talking about earlier where I was like, God damn, Kate. <laughs> I really just felt like that was unnecessary. She just comes in hot. <laughs> yeah, she's like, why would I want to hear anything you have to say to me? I'm like, first of all, you were the one jumping all over his shit earlier, saying you pity him. He has nothing to go home to. And then he gave you the battery anyway. Why the hell are you attacking this man? I mean, is he a great guy? No, but goddamn, chill. Could have been a number of things. Like, what if he's like, the rescue boat's here? <laughs> like, like, she's just like, I don't want to hear a goddamn word out of your fucking mouth. You shut your fat face. Yeah, it was a, a bit much. I Once again, I get it for the plot, why they had to do it, because... We don't want Kate to know yet. We're like, shit. It would have been more believable to me if Sawyer just didn't tell her. Yeah. But Ike was going to tell her. She decides to be a bitch. And then he's like, well, shit. I'm going to have some fun with this. Yeah, so he decides to fuck with her and says that he's he doesn't help anyone but himself. Basically admitting that he's, you know, fucking Jack over here. And decides to help them and tag along. So we know it all works out in the end. Jack's fine. And I saw in your notes that you don't really think Kate being there really matters. And I agree. I don't really think Kate being part of the dig effort helped at all. Not even in the slightest. Not even a little bit. As a viewer, this is, this is our Reddit segment of the episode. Is Sawyer the asshole for not telling Kate that Jack was in a cave in? Yes, he is. Does it matter? No. Like, he should have told her. Yeah. But I'm not that mad about it. Yeah. Lesson learned, Kate. Be nicer to others. I mean, that's, you know, I agree. But I'm a hypocrite because I come in hot all the time to situations. Like you do this fucking podcast. (laughs) Wow. 
<laughs> that's rude. I was going to say in other situations, but I, I do that a lot where I just like start off really bitchy. And then my brain is like, Whoa, girl, what you doing? And then I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been that much of a bitch that I can't, I can't backtrack because then I'd have to admit I was wrong and I'll never do that. Charlie finds Locke skidding a boar and tells him about the caves and Jack and the rescue effort. But Locke knows that Charlie is there for a different reason. And it is Charlie asking for his drugs for the second time. Locke shows Charlie a moth's cocoon, telling him that the moth is ready to come out of the cocoon as it burrows through the hard chrysalis. Locke says that he could help by using his knife to open the hole at the top a little bit more but then it would be too weak to survive on its own. Struggle is nature's way of strengthening it. Locke says that if he at Charlie asks for the drugs again, he will give them to him. So what are your thoughts on this metaphor of the moth and the cocoon and everything? Charlie is the moth and all that shit. I like it. I like a nice metaphor. I thought it was good. I thought it made sense. I think Locke is a very wise character. It made me like Locke more as a character. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting metaphor. And I like when uh, people say smart shit. I like that. He was kind of like butterflies get all the praise, but like moths are so much more useful. They spin, they spin silk. I think that was like, kind of like a subtle way of like basically being like Jack or, or Kate or one of the 18. They're the, they're a butterfly, but like, you know, you're a, you're a moth, Charlie, you have your uses. Yeah, it's also relevant to him. Like, Locke doesn't know this, but it's also relevant to him in his pre-island life. Like, his brother was getting all the attention as the lead, but, you know, he's writing the songs and kind of trying to be the one that keeps the band functioning. And moths are cool. I've actually always wanted to get a moth tattoo, so can I just uh, two birds, one stone this bitch, and that could be my moth tattoo? No. It has been a trend lately on TikTok that the moth is the bisexual tattoo. Yeah, I saw that. And that doesn't change anything. I still want to get it. You heard it here, folks. Live on this podcast. That's not what I'm saying. I did see that, though. And I was like, I made that joke because to Andrew, because he says that I dress like a lesbian. Or like I'm bisexual. So like I'll dress like I'll get dressed to go out to eat or something. And then he'll be like, Oh, are you trying to hit on our waitress? Or I'll get dressed to go hang out with my friends. And he's like, you're going to go try to pick up women at Home Depot. <laughs> but it's just because I wear like the like mom jeans, Birkenstocks, and then like a flannel. And so he says, I dress like a lesbian. Not an LA lesbian, but yeah. Whatever. I just dress comfy. I will allow you to get a moth tattoo as the lost tattoo, but you would have to have the quote struggle is nature's way of strengthening accompanied with the, the tattoo. Uh, no, I, I can't do that because I have decided I'm not going to tattoo any more words on myself. I don't like words as tattoos. That's going to be really hard for a lost tattoo then because it's mainly just quotes. Nah, no more quotes. I will not do any quotes on my body. Sorry right. I have to figure it out. We're seven but, episodes in. If you had to pick it something for a tattoo, what would you do? Moth. No. Okay, but... It has to be something where you look at it and you're like, lost. 
I prefer things to be more subtle. Like I would want it to be something just cool. And then if somebody asked me, I'm like, Oh, it connects to lost because of this. Also, we're only seven episodes in like, I don't have anything that makes me think of lost except a plane crash. I'm not going to tattoo a plane crash on my body. Well, you better figure it out because this episode is brought to you. By, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> That's what I was to say is like, I feel like I don't need to figure it out because we have, uh, well, we've only released one episode at this point, so I'm not going to yeah. shit on us yet, but we do have listeners worldwide in worldwide. three continents three continents that's pretty exciting now granted is it one person in australia and two people in ireland yes reverse it really i think so who fucking cares i'm just kidding i care a lot about our listeners thank you so much for listening Please she, she just doesn't like being wrong which is why she said who cares because i pointed out that she was wrong <laughs> If you are those listeners who are listening in Australia or Ireland, please comment on one of our TikToks so that we can talk to you because that's fucking cool. Or Not that we don't appreciate our American listeners as well. America, fuck yeah, and all that shit. But I think it's cool that we have people listening in other countries. However you found us, let us know how, especially if you're not in the U.S. because it's kind of cool. Our mom was like, it's just, it's just crazy that people in other countries are just listening to you. How, how do you think that works? And I was like, well, the internet, <laughs> you know, what? just let her have her moment. She, you know what? I just have to take a, a second to say this. When we released our first episode, uh, both of our parents had high praise. I really just think that we need to acknowledge how lucky we are that we have two parents that will praise us for basically anything. I'm not saying that it was a bad first episode, but I honestly feel like their praise was a bit over the top for what we actually put out there into the world. Like even our friends, I mean, not all of our friends, but yeah, Kate hasn't fucking listened yet. Yeah. Neither is my best friend. She actually sent me one of our um, Instagram reels and said, I hate this content, but your ass looks huge. (laughs) And I couldn't even watch it. It's the one that I did the dancing for, but then I can't watch it. So I didn't even open it, but I just was like, thanks, I guess. Shout out to Megan Jones, who proved that she listened to the episode because I said we will only have two listeners. And she said, make it three. She actually proved to me that she listened to it too, because she texted me and asked if she could design the tattoo. Has she seen Lost, you know? No, she hasn't. I don't think so. Or she watched a long time ago or something. So I told her she should watch along with it. Otherwise it's, I was like, you know, obviously listen, please, but you should watch the show. Yeah. So you know what we're talking about? She was like, Oh, for sure. But I'm definitely just going to listen just because it's something you're making. And I was like, Oh my God, thank you. I've, I've had friends where I'm like, yeah, it, it would mean a lot to me if you would check it out. And they were like, well, do I have to watch loss? And I was like, I mean, Technically, no. We go into a lot of detail, but like, it'd probably be better. And they're like, I probably won't listen to it then. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, fair enough. Yeah. I, I, a friend of mine who I did a marketing project with my last year at Ohio State, when we launched, she slid up into my story and was like, 
I think you have the perfect like sense of humor to be a podcast host. And she's like, and I have no doubt that one day I'll be able to tell people like, Oh, I know that guy. And I was like, I really appreciate that, but I'm afraid lost is too niche a subject to like become really famous as a podcast host. That's actually exactly what um, Andrew said when I finally told him we were doing this. He was like, don't you think that's a bit niche? And I was like, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not looking for worldwide domination. We got it. Three countries, three continents. Yeah. Michael and the team open a hole into the cave. Hurley calls out for Jack and they hear him. And he tells them that he's pinned down by the rocks and can't move. At the second antenna, the team arrives at the site and Saeed orders Sawyer to climb the tree to attach the antenna. Saeed reminds Kate the plan and tells her that he does not trust Sawyer and then says, I do not trust him with you. I had a lot of thoughts on this scene and by a lot of thoughts, I mean just one. Hottie of the week. Saeed. And let me tell you why. One of my biggest issues with Jack is I hate the way he is with Kate. Like he's constantly questioning her. Like, are you sure you should be doing this? Don't do this. Blah, 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 blah. I like that Saeed respectfully brought up a concern, which I think is a valid concern because Sawyer is sketchy. But Kate just had to say, I can handle myself. He did not question. He did not argue. He didn't say, are you sure you're just a thickin' woman? Whatever. Not that Jack has ever said that. Okay, but it's implied. And, Uh, okay, tell me. No, it's so different. The way that they handle situations is so different. So I just like, okay, you got this. And he leaves. He has never questioned when Kate wants to help out. He's always like, sure, here's your role. Here's what to do. He's never like, are you sure you can handle it? Love him for that. Andy's hot. I, I would say I'm going to challenge you next week. Pick someone who's not Saeed for Hottie of the Week, but it is a Sawyer episode, so I'm sure you will have no problem with that. Yeah, look, this is my problem. Sawyer could win Hottie of the Week every week if he would shut his fucking mouth. He Honestly, he almost got me this week because I, I, I almost feel like I knew that next week was going to be a Sawyer episode because this episode was just kind of hinting at his pain. Like this episode was like Sawyer thought about being a good person and then decided not to. So I see you've caught on to the pattern where the episode that you're currently in, the person who probably gets the second most development is the person that has covered the next episode. I was wondering if that was the pattern, but I did not want to put too much brain power into thinking back on previous episodes, but Because last week in the Sun and Jin episode, Charlie got the whole giving up the drug storyline. Yeah, that makes sense. So I I totally, it makes sense why they do that because I'm very intrigued by Sawyer right now. So I'm like ready for a Sawyer episode. Let's let's see if you can guess by the end of next week who the next person to be covered is. I'm a genius, so I'll probably nail it. It's kind of obvious. Okay, shut the fuck up. What do you think Saeed meant when he says... I don't trust him with you. Uh, I think Sawyer has been making a lot of inappropriate comments towards Kate. Yeah. I mean, Sawyer just doesn't really seem like a great guy, especially towards women. So 
I took it more as like the fact that Sawyer has like such like a, a grasp on Kate's like mind and the way she thinks like the two of them read each other really well and they're able to like get inside each other's heads. And Sawyer ultimately does get her to just abandon the plan. So, and I yeah. don't think that was like his intention, but like, I, that's kind of how I thought it. Cause I don't really, I don't think he's like, yes, I think I don't trust Sawyer to be alone with Kate because of that. Why would he leave if that were the case? Why wouldn't he just be like, all right, you're with me. Cause I don't think, I think he doesn't trust Sawyer. Like he's thinks he's going to be a dick towards Kate or whatever, but I think he probably doesn't trust him even more to be left alone to do an important job. Sawyer hasn't proven himself to be reliable. Right, why didn't say so just be like, all right, Sawyer come with me. You're with me. Yeah, he could have, but I think that's where, what I'm saying about he trusts Kate and he has confidence in her. And he's like, you know, if you say you got it, then you got it. Clearly, Say he needed somebody with him. No, she didn't keep her shit together emotionally, which I'll have lots to say about that. I think this whole fucking plan was a shit show because nobody could just do what they were supposed to do. And then obviously it ended uh, not so great. I'm moving on. So Michael shares that they cannot make another hole. They can't make the hole any bigger. And someone has to crawl through to get to Jack. Jin attempts to say something and Hurley says that they can't understand Chinese. And just Michael snaps that it's Korean and Sun and him share a look. Okay. Tell me if I'm no, crazy. You're crazy. You don't even know what I was going to say. I know what you're going to say. Cause I had the same thought originally and I don't like it anymore. Okay. But that means I'm not crazy. I'm not asking if anything happens. Okay. For context. The whole seven episodes, I have been just like feeling this like tension between Michael and Sun. And I know that nothing happens because you have made comments about how like you love Sun and Jin's relationship, blah, blah, blah. But like, am I the only one that has felt that? Has there ever been any crazy lost fandom people that have wrote like Michael Sun fanfic? Because honestly, I just see it. I just feel like there's like a, another universe where Jin doesn't become less of an asshole and Michael and son run off into the sunset. Since you basically are saying, you know, it doesn't happen. I can tell you that I think it was strongly considered at one point in the writer's room. Really? Yeah. Have they ever said that? Cause I honestly feel like they were putting in these little seeds of like, maybe. Okay. So this is, not technically a spoiler. I don't like where you're going with this. It's not in the main show. What does that mean? In one of the DVD like specials, they had these little uh, mini episodes. Like they were like less than five minutes and some are definitely canon and some of them, the jury is out. And one of them is a, romantic moment between Michael and son, but it was never part of the main show and it never got addressed in the main show. So it definitely was something that was considered, but ultimately not pursued. And if you want to see our reaction to that, maybe when we start like a Patreon or something like that, we'll do bonus episodes. Putting the cart before the horse, bro. Absolutely. 
Uh, so I don't think you're crazy. I, I personally do not ship them. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this because I love Sun and Jin. I just, eh. I don't necessarily ship them. I just think that there were seeds planted. And I was wondering if I was just reading into it too much, but I just thought they had a lot of like glances. There are two yeah. characters that I think have moments together often. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do share a pretty big secret. Right. There is that. But even then, before. Yeah, before he knew that. Like, there's just, you know, there's little stuff. Like, there's obviously the tension between Michael and Jin. And then. Now that I do ship. (laughs) Okay. Charlie says that he will be the one to crawl through the hole. Michael at first denies him. But Charlie shares that he's the only person who can fit. And he has no one to leave behind if something were to go wrong. Which I'm like. There's definitely someone else. You, you named three people, but like, I, I bet you Scott doesn't have anybody. Yeah, but Scott's probably a big dude. I mean, Charlie is tiny. Yeah. If they would have waited like five more minutes for Kate to show up, she probably could have fit through it. Oh, she would have been in there in a hot second. Then it would have made sense for her to run back there. True. Speaking of which, while they're waiting for the signal, Kate recaps the plan for like the hundredth time. And to kind of like calm her down, Sawyer starts asking, what is it about Jack that makes her so weak in the loins? And he asks if it's anything to do with him being a doctor. Kate jokes that he shouldn't compare himself to Jack. And Sawyer says that if Jack had survived longer, she would have seen the similarities between them. Once again, why? Why is she being such a bitch? Like, honestly, I just feel like it's unnecessary that some of the stuff that she's saying to Sawyer, like I know he's trying to get under her skin, but he's not really saying, well, just kidding. I guess he is kind of implying that she's a good gold digger or just like chasing the status of him being a doctor. And that's the only reason she likes him. But I guess I just feel like saying, Oh, you could never compare yourself to Jack. Maybe that's just because I don't like Jack very much. I'm going to share with you Kate's, reaction to something she's a spoiler not really not really means maybe i'm not gonna say that thank you let me just say um, I, get, I get real defensive with my boy jack i will admit everything you're saying about him is absolutely true but i still love jack i'm not even saying anything about jack in this moment it's just that like one correct me if i'm wrong i don't really feel like sawyer was comparing himself to jack he did say you know i had a a bottle of pills or whatever I could, you know. Okay. Fair enough. I forgot he said that, but. Cause I didn't put it in the script. I don't read your fucking scripts. I'm not trying but to. I do. Script. The whole point of the episode is I read it. I understand that. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, I just feel like she went for Sawyer kind of hard in this moment. And. I get it. It's like, she's just being defensive over the whole Jack situation. Cause you know, it just keeps getting brought up. But I don't know. You know what I don't understand is why, why does it matter? Like, why can't, like, why can't she just be like, yeah, I'm kind of into Jack. Jack is obviously into her. Why do they have to like do the whole song and dance? Well, because of what we talked about earlier, she has problems expressing vulnerability to just admit that. Yeah. I'm into this guy. He, it might be, obvious that Jack is into her, but he has not said it. 
So for her to say it out loud, that is like a hugely vulnerable thing to do. I wouldn't do it. I am the queen of not being vulnerable. Fuck that shit. And I would never. I don't think I've ever even admitted it that I like Andrew. And we've lived together for four years. Is that why you keep saying that if you got you guys got married, you would do it by yourselves? Because you're like, I don't want to tell people oh, my feelings. The thought, the thought of exchanging wedding vows in front of people, it's disgusting. So Kate asked Sawyer what she meant or what he meant by saying if Jack had survived longer. And Sawyer tells her that Jack died in the cave-in. Yeah, that was a dick move. Hashtag fake news. Kate tosses the bottle rocket at him and runs the caves. I don't love this. I get it. But like, girl, come on. Keep your head in the game. This is potentially going to save you guys. You can't just like complete your task and then go find out because one, if he's dead, he's still going to be dead after you launch your rocket. And two, if he's not dead, there's plenty of people helping him. He doesn't need you. It's just dumb. I just didn't like that. I don't think Sawyer said that though. She just, he just said word is he's dead. She doesn't know. know that people are being, are helping him. I understand that, but like, come on, context clues, girl. True. I, I agree. She should have stayed, but at the same time, it's not like had she, had she just gone and Sawyer not completed his end of the deal. It's not like they would have flipped on the transceivers. They would have been like no third bottle rocket. Something went wrong. Abort mission. I don't get what you're saying. Say that again. They only turn on the antennas once all three lock- rockets are launched. So if she's not there to tur- to launch her rocket, then they could have just tried again later. Yeah, but then you're just wasting rockets. Like, oh, that's I didn't even think about that. We've only got so many smuggled rockets. Thank God for another group <laughs> of fireworks smugglers. Oh shit! I also think this is something we didn't say earlier: the fact that. They were like, oh, we have to find a laptop battery. Like, sign of the times. If a plane crashed right now, there would be a hundred laptops. But the batteries would not be as accessible. Yeah, he just like whips it out. He's like, there you go. (laughs) But do you remember that? Remember our first laptop that was like the family laptop, our Dell? And the the battery just like you pressed a button and the whole battery just fell off. Mm -hmm. Phone batteries you used to just take out. Yeah, I remember because... If the the phone was messed up, you would just reset the phone by just taking the whole battery out. Yeah, like or like you, on it. You you drop the battery or you drop the phone and it just breaks into two pieces. The battery goes rolling across the room and you're like, shit. You're familiar with that. You you dropped your phone a hundred times. I broke a lot of phones. Yeah. Do you remember that time uh, I walked by you in the hallway in high school and I just showed you the back of my iPhone four, which back then they were made of glass and it was just completely shattered. And you were like, what did you do? No, I don't remember that. I do remember when you had a razor old tech alert, uh, and you had it in your pocket at the YMCA and you cannonballed into the pool. That was actually, that was the juke, which was that little thin like switchblade phone. 
Yeah, you had mom's old juke. I think you got the razor after because you ruined mm-hmm. the juke. And then I, I dropped the razor so many times that they got me like this brick of a flip phone. Which really annoyed me because you went through like a hundred phones. Not that many. I had- went through far more than me before we all got iPhones. Yeah, but whatever. Michael tells Charlie to go slow through the hole and they wish him luck as he crawls in. We get a flashback of Charlie kicking some women out of uh, Liam's like green room and telling him that he missed soundcheck because he was so stoned. He's also had a history of missing rehearsals, anything that he needs to do to get ready. I really thought about jokingly being like hottie of the week is groupie number three. (laughs) (laughs) She's just really connected to me in this moment. I feel like she brought a lot to the scene. Liam snorts some more heroin and Charlie tells him now is the time to walk away. They're going to finish the show and then they're done. Liam refuses screaming that he is drive shaft and that no one cares about the bass player. Completely opposite from what he said the first time they had this conversation when Charlie wanted to walk away, he was like, you are the band. We can't do this without you. So I think it's just showing like how far downhill they've really come. Mm -hmm. Liam tells Charlie that without the band, he is useless and then leaves, which honestly he could be talking about either one of them in that moment. Like, I don't necessarily think that's true about Charlie. I do think it's true about Liam just in his current state, but Charlie takes it as himself as well. But I think it applies to both of them. Yeah. I think this could also be projecting. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't leave. You can't leave. I can't leave. We're nothing without this band. It's completely consumed their identity. Now look at the next flashback and we'll get to that. Charlie sits down, picks up a baggie of heroin as he begins to break down. So this is the origin story of Charlie's struggle with addiction. And basically his brother pushed him to it. Yeah. I don't know why, but I don't love that. Like it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's not that it feels, it doesn't make sense for the backstory of the character that they've given for Charlie. Like this whole time he's been like, I, I don't want to do this. He even pushes the bottle of alcohol out of his way right before he picks up the heroin. Like, I guess I don't believe as the audience that this is the moment. I think this is just like a step closer. Like I think in this moment, he's like, what is it about this that has completely consumed my brother has completely taken my brother from me. Why is this so great? But I don't think this is the moment that he tries heroin for the first time. He's also just at like an incredible low point. Yeah. I mean, obviously like he feels like he's losing his brother. He feels like he also just thinks what he said was true. Yeah, which gives us insight into why he's taking all these little tiny digs on the island to heart so much. Because that was like kind of the same thing with Jack about, you know, he's getting told as a kid that he doesn't have what it takes. And then, you know, whatever. This is like a different situation, but just the same idea of getting told something over and over again that you start to hear it in things that that's not even what people are saying. 
We come out of the flashback and another cave-in happens and traps Charlie in. He makes his way to Jack and tells him that he's there to save them. And they have like this laugh. Kate arrives at the camp, storms in and asks where Jack is. They tell her that Charlie went in and the tunnel collapsed. Now he's trapped in too. They're all just kind of sitting around and she ignites the rescue effort once again. I like how they weren't digging because they're listening to Michael's advice on like, oh, it's load bearing. And if we dig, it'll collapse. But then Kate shows up and she's like, dig motherfuckers. And they're like, oh, who cares about it being structurally sound? Let's just fling rocks everywhere. Yeah, my, Michael, Michael doesn't even go like, yeah, I've kind of been like over this while you weren't here. He's like, we're digging. Yeah, there's just like, I was like, okay, what was the point? Charlie rolls the rock off of Jack and his shoulder is dislocated. Jack tells him how to pop it back in. And while Charlie says he can't, Jack says that he can and he instructs him, instructs him how, and then they pop the shoulder like back into place. I really feel like this was a moment where Jack was very good. And I thought I saw kind of like growth in his character because to me, Jack has just kind of been a dick this whole show. Not very like supportive of others, I guess not in like he was being unsupportive, but I really feel like since coming into his own confidence of like saying, I have what it takes now. Now he's like, spreading that confidence to Charlie. Like, I just think he was very supportive of Charlie and he could relate to Charlie in this moment of like, he could feel, he could empathize with how Charlie just does not feel competent. I think Charlie is in the place that Jack was in white rabbit. Yeah. Jack is now the lock role and Charlie is now the Jack role where he's basically saying you can do this, but it's also very similar to, the initial stitching up in the pilot when uh, Jack was telling Kate, you can do this. I thought that too. I just thought this time, you know, Jack just seemed really natural in this role of like a leader, honestly, like I'm seeing it more. He just, he took command in that situation and he gave Charlie the confidence that he needed. And especially since Charlie is still going through withdrawal, like that's, you know, it's a pretty big deal. In the final flashback, Charlie visits a now clean and father, Liam, in Sydney. Charlie shares that he has arranged for Dry Shaft to revive as an opening act, and this could potentially get them back on a label. Liam declines the, inv- the offer, and Charlie reveals that they're not going to book Dry Shaft without Liam. Charlie asks him as a brother, the way he asked him in the beginning, to come back. Liam reminds Charlie everything that they went through and realizes Charlie is still using. Charlie just immediately blames Liam saying it is you who did this to me. It was originally about the music. Here's what I have to say about that disclaimer. I'm not educated on addiction. This is just my opinion. I don't know, you know what they want the audience to feel in this moment, but it kind of feels like they want us to maybe see Liam as the bad guy here, but I don't see it that way. 
I see like where, what Charlie is thinking in this moment. He's like, you did this to me. I'm in this place because of you, but we can't necessarily, like if you're looking at it through the lens of like addiction is a disease, we can't put blame on Liam for what he did while he was addicted. The same way we can't really put blame on Charlie for being addicted. Like they're just both in two different places. Like, I'm not saying that there's no responsibility to be held. Like they're responsible for their actions and all of that. But I just, I'm curious if people took Liam to be the villain in this situation. Cause I really don't think so. I think he handled it well. He offered him help. I think he does see his culpability in this situation. And he's like, so he's like, that's why he's saying, Hey, stay with us, which a lot of people wouldn't do. They have a small child in the house. You wouldn't necessarily want an addict living with you. I think he's trying to step up and help his brother, but I don't know. I I'm curious. Cause like, you know, I'm not on, I'm not in the know with the lost people, but like, what are we supposed to feel here? I personally don't see Liam as the villain in this scene. I honestly think it's really just like a role reversal from that first flashback where Charlie was in a good place and he was looking out for his brother, um, talking about the temptation and how he thinks that they should walk away and Liam couldn't help himself. And now it's the other way around. And I, and I feel for Liam in this moment because, you know, he is a father, a husband, but he also wants to uh, help his brother. And I think he is taking responsibility and probably does blame himself for what Charlie is going through. But Charlie doesn't want anything to do with it. And eventually storms off saying he has a flight to catch and that is how he ended up on Oceanic 815. Back in the cave, Jack asks Charlie how long it has been since his last fix. Charlie tells him it's been a day and a half, and Jack asks how he's been holding up, telling him that he is going to help him through it. He tells Charlie he is not useless and brave for coming into the cave, which is like probably the first compliment that he has received on the island. <laughs> Other than last time when Locke talked about how big of a fan he was of Driveshaft. Yeah. Once again, a side of Jack that I haven't necessarily seen. They make a joke about how Charlie will hold on to that for the rest of their lives. And Jack says, well, they're probably going to die soon with how much oxygen they're using. Charlie says he's reminded of confession and Jack is shocked by his religion. But then Charlie sees a moth in the cave and follows it, finding an opening that gets them outside of the caves like a like a moth through a chrysalis. Yeah. Uh, nice little symbolism here. I like it. I also wonder, same thing with Jack chasing his little ghost daddy. Is that a coincidental moth or is that an island moth? Is it a coincidental cave cave-in? Because every time Charlie got in that fucking cave... Wait, that's not true. Yeah, all twice. Yeah. Wait. He yelled at Jack and the cave-in happened and then he burrowed through and the cave-in happened again. Okay, yeah. Okay, I don't know why I thought I was misremembering that. Yeah, everyone's like, the second time it caved in, I was like, is the island trying to kill Charlie? What the fuck? Or was it just nature making him struggle to make him stronger? I'm going with that one. Couldn't you argue that the island is the personification of nature? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was implied. It didn't need to be said. Everyone continues to dig and Kate refuses to take a break, but 
they can all stop because Charlie has pulled them out of the ground or out of the caves, Jack included. They round the corner and everyone starts giving hugs. Kate gives Jack a huge hug. Hurley gives Charlie a huge hug for saving his bestest buddy, Jack. And they all thank Charlie and shower him with compliments for saving the doctor. Can I just say, I totally understand what this moment was trying to achieve. It felt very full house to me. Like it was cheesy. I, I totally get it that they're trying to show how good Charlie felt in this moment. I just feel like it was like a little bit too much. It kind of, it wasn't nearly as bad, but like, uh, end of chamber of secrets where Hagrid comes back in and there's like a five minute standing ovation for Hagrid about how great he is, even though he didn't fucking do anything in that, in that book, but whatever. Sure. I've never read the books and I've seen the movies like once, but it kind of reminded me like, you know, in the office where like they'll randomly be episodes where like Michael kind of needed to pick me up mm-hmm. and then they'll just like a couple people will kind of give him a compliment at the end of the day. And he like feels good. Or they'll be like, Hey, we're going out for drinks. Do you want to come? And he feels good. Yeah. Like, I think the moment needed that kind of subtlety, not like raw, raw, everybody loves Charlie. Like it, it, I don't know if it's just like a sign of the times, but it was like very corny to me. He, he also did save their leader and only medical practitioner on the island. I totally get that. I, and I don't even know if it's an unrealistic way for this scene to play out. Maybe people really would act like that. I just felt like it was corny. I do think it's funny that Kate literally just ignores Charlie again, just like all on in on Jack. Yeah. That's like the thing that I really don't like about like maybe this whole time I've actually had an issue with Kate and not Jack. I just, she's so obsessed with him, but then also so resistant to being obsessed with him. Like pick a fucking lane. I'm going to tell Kate that you said that she's going to love you. (laughs) Maybe if she listened to the podcast, she would know. We are running into an issue where Kate and I, when we're looking into the social media stuff, there's a lot of Kate stands on TikTok, and Kate and I have not been shy about sharing our opinions on Kate. I wouldn't know because I'm not allowed to watch TikToks. No, you're not. Back with Saeed, he lights his, his bottle rocket. As a wise monkey once said, it is time. Lion King. Rafiki. I couldn't remember his name. Shannon, not paying attention, realizes she needs to light her rocket and does so. Every time I watch it, there is like a part of me that's like, maybe she only remembers that she's supposed to light the rocket. It doesn't flip the signal on the antenna. I thought the same thing because when Boone gave her the instructions, he was telling her to flip, but they don't show her doing that. Right. I mean, no, but we only see the third rocket. Right, we see it because like it shows up on his thing, but I was like, the fuck, this bitch isn't even doing it right. Yeah, but Shannon's having a conversation with background character number 15, so... Because all the name characters are just not there, except for um, Claire, who has just been AWOL this episode. Yeah, what does she have, like, something else to film this week? Because... She was nowhere to be seen. Well, she does have a a, a centric episode coming up. So it's possible that they just scheduled her filming her flashbacks in this episode at the same time. Saeed looks over for Kate's signal. And when he finally sees the third bottle rocket comes up, he begins to triangulate the distress signal. Uh, He gets a lock on, it would appear. 
And then he is knocked out. Boom. I gasped when that happened. I, I just want to say I'm confused by the lock-on because I don't really understand how the triangulating works. I'm not even going to pretend to understand. It doesn't matter. Said like, my man knows what he's doing. I feel like they're all relatively close to the, the beach. Like, I feel like if there was whatever is transmitting that signal, they would have seen it. We have no idea how long they've been hiking, how far away they are from everything. Well, they all, all from the beach, you can see the two bottle rockets. Yeah, but like... What if the signal was being broadcast on the other side of the mountain? What if this, it was? This really was just like a once, like one attempt shot, and it's like completely a guess. Look, I don't get it either, but clearly that's not the point of this scene. Let's roll reversal here. That's not the point, Dane. The point is that he got hit in the fucking head, and who did it? Who did do it? That's a great question. Do you have a theory? Uh, well, I know the others exist, so it could be an other. The other people that I know who are on the island are the others, and then we think there might be a French person if that person is still alive. So those are my guesses. Others or French person. Or the polar bear king. Ah, fuck, it is the polar bear king. It's Vincent. (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just somebody else on the island. That's my genius guess. All right. And this brings us to the third and final time. Hurley asks what's going on with Charlie and Jack covers for him saying that he has the flu. Hurley wishes for him to feel better, which I think that is like the, the more subtle scene that you were asking for. Yeah, that was great. That was like a feel good moment of like, they've got Charlie's back and they're wishing him well. Yeah. That was good. Walt asks Michael if they can live in the caves. Michael naturally looks over at Sun, and we don't get an answer. So we'll find out eventually. Why is it natural that he looks over at Sun? Because the whole reason Jin and Sun moved from the, ca- from the beach to the caves is to avoid Michael. Oh. Got it. Kate puts a sling on Jack's arm. And jokes that the caves don't seem that safe anymore. Jack points out that Michael touched all the walls and okayed the rest, saying that there were they were all load bearing and there was no structural integrity issues. Kate reveals her intention to go back to the beach to continue to help Saeed and get them rescued. So even after all that, they're still not on the same page, even though they're clearly wanting to sleep with each other. Charlie goes to Locke as he preps a boar and asks him for his drugs. Locke asks if he's sure, and Charlie has revealed that he's made his choice. Locke gives him the drugs, and he throws them in, Charlie throws them into the fire. Locke says that he's proud of him as they look up at a moth, and they both smile. Charlie gets emotional, and that is the end of the episode. That was also a feel good scene that not that subtle, but I liked that moment. That was nice. I'm going to give you credit for this because you put it in your notes, but you said that Charlie took off his hood as another symbolism as the, the chrysalis coming off and the metamorphosis being. Complete. Yes. That was a nice little 
symbolism moment there. He took off his hood and his transformation is complete. Now it's not, he's only, he's like very early into his detox. Like I feel like, I don't know if they're going to show it or if they're just like wrapping up that storyline, they're done with it. But it was because he made the choice. Right. That I, I get it. He's, he's detoxing, but he literally cannot relapse at this point. Yeah. With heroin. Like he's gone into it. He made the decision on his own. Nobody else forced him into it. He also didn't run out. Right. And that's a big deal. So good for Charlie. I liked that. Let's talk about Locke. You said he's a bit of a cult leader. (laughs) You know what? This episode, like I stand by that, but at least in this episode, he was a really good cult leader. Like, I thought he was very wise. I thought he helped Charlie. If he's a leader of a cult, it's probably very successful. You you talk about this island testing them. Locke seems to be pushing those tests forward, not really getting involved other than to, like, keep them from dying. Yeah, so here's the thing. Once again, I don't think the island has anything to do with Charlie's storyline. This is purely Locke. Locke is testing him. The island's not doing shit. Locke took the drugs. Locke gave him the opportunity to have them back. The island has nothing to do with this. I think Locke is just like, oh, sometimes the island tests us. So I'm going to do that shit all the time. But then at the same time, the whole cave-in thing, that seems like a test. Locke, unless somehow Locke was in there mining away at the cave walls. That's another one of those things where we're like, yeah, sure, that could have been a test. That also could have just been a cave that fell. I, I don't know. Like, obviously, you can't just, everything can't be a coincidence. Like, it, it obviously has to add up to a bigger picture, but I don't know. Can we blame, can we say everything is a test from the island? Like, if Walt gets a splinter, or is he being tested by the island, or do you just get a fucking splinter? Yeah. It's kind of, it's like the, the old argument with Star Wars. It's like, that's a huge coincidence. Why did that happen? Oh, the, the will of the force. Sure. And that is the moth. What are your overall thoughts about the episode, the storylines? Uh, good episode. I liked the, I liked this episode just because like, I liked the moth metaphor. I thought it was cool. I liked the symbolism in this episode. I also like that it's teeing me up for some Sawyer action. I think I'm going to like that. Yes. Next week, episode eight, Confidence Man, a Sawyer episode. Confidence Man? Like Con Man? Oh. (laughs) I was just like, what a weird fucking title. Is that what Con Man means? I think so. I'm going to do some Googling on that. Maybe that'll be a quick bit. Hey, editing Zane here. Spoiler alert. I don't remember to do that as a quick bit. Alrighty, guys. Hopefully you liked that episode and all of my genius insight and then some of Zane's rambling. If you liked it, please, please, please rate us five stars on any platform that you're listening. Tell your friends. Share it on social media. Please follow our social medias. We are on TikTok at laurengetslost.pod, on Instagram at laurengetslostpod, and on Twitter at laurengetslost. As always, our DMs are open. If you have any opinions on anything we've 
said in this episode or previous episodes, or maybe you want to argue with us, please send us a message or comment on one of our TikToks. We'd love to hear from you. And I love arguing. So that's all I got. Also, um, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we might be doing better and maybe we do have a sponsor. So we might be needing tattoo ideas. So if anyone's a talented artist, obviously Megan, you probably get first pick, but we also want to see your ideas because I'm looking for one as well. Um, so our DMS are open for that. And also to bully Zane. Always. Thank you for listening to Lauren gets lost. This podcast is hosted and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler produced by Kate Worcester. And our music is done by David Kohler. Join us next week as we cover Confidence Man. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. Oh, yeah.